This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with the message that Jesus is alive today. Now, today's lesson is titled, Role Models, and it comes from Philippians 2, 19 through 30. But before we start our lesson today, Word Talk Inc. could use your support. Now, playing music on the radio may sound simple, but actually it's quite costly due to publishing rights and royalties. And before that first song is ever played, there's utility bills and tower rental fees and maintenance and so forth. We need people just like you to help with the tax-deductible gifts. So won't you do that today? You can do that by calling us at 601-483-8648. And there they can take your information safely and securely over the phone. Or mail us your gift to Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi, 39304. Now, your gift to Word Talk, Inc. is IRS-approved to the 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Your contribution is never used for salaries or managerial purposes, but 100% of it goes to the expense providing the good news of Jesus Christ to our listening area. Hebrews 13.16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. If you'd like to go back and listen to a previous lesson, you can do that by going to our podcast website. That's Radio Bible Class with no spaces between radiobibleclass.podbean.com or catch us wherever you listen to your podcast, whether that's iTunes or Spotify or Google or Amazon. We're there too. Just search for WMER Radio Bible Class with no spaces between Radio Bible Class. So today we're talking about role models. And when I think of role models, especially in today's society, the people that we should look to as an example in our society and, and children look to as they grow up are not the ones that we should be looking up to. Charles Barkley in 1993 said, I'm not a role model. Just because I dunk a basketball doesn't mean I should raise your kids. Now, over the past five Sundays, we've been studying out of Philippians, and we've covered a lot in the last five weeks. We've learned that no matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter where you are in your walk with Jesus, there's always room to grow, to further and deepen your walk with Christ. And we've also learned that our conduct and our behavior matters as a Christian. How we live as a Christian or a follower of Jesus preaches a message to the world. Now, whether that message is the gospel of Jesus or something else, that's up to us. We talked about that last week, that we are to be a light to the world. We're to work on our sanctification to look more and more like Jesus every day. Early in chapter 2, we looked at how we are to live humbly like Jesus did. We're to have unity of the Spirit, and we ought to be a part of the church body and working with our spiritual gift in that church body. Last week we saw we're supposed to do all that without muttering or complaining. We're to do it without griping or complaining. How many of us like to do anything without griping or complaining? I have to raise my hand. That's not me. And that was an area that the Lord has really worked on me over this past week and made me more aware of. Well, today we're going to take it one step further. We're going to look at some examples of what a faithful service to God looks like. And Paul says that he's going to send two faithful role models that are faithful to the ministry, people that he trusts. He's going to send Timothy and Epaphroditus. And what I want you to notice as we read through this and we learn about them is that they were both examples of a faithful service. 
They were faithful to the end, and they were faithful to God and not only to Paul. So with that said, let's read and finish out chapter 2 this week. Turn with me to Philippians 2. We'll start in verse 19, and we'll read down to verse 30. And I'll be reading out the ESV. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by the news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how a son with a father he has served me well in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. So let's first start out by saying, who is Timothy? Most of you know Timothy was a friend, a colleague, and a traveling companion to the Apostle Paul. He's first mentioned in Acts 16. Paul was first to Derby and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. Now, his mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra, and so Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. Also, Timothy had a Jewish heritage through his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice, so he knew the Jewish scriptures well, and he was very highly regarded in his hometown of Lystra. Now, most likely, Timothy had become a Christian through the influence of his mother, and the church elders in Lystra, who had probably been converted, who, even though the Bible doesn't tell us, they were probably converted through Paul and Silas on their first missionary journey that came through there. So after Paul comes back on a second missionary journey, Timothy went with Paul, and he became a nearly constant traveling companion for Paul. He's probably the best known of all of Paul's co-workers. Now, the book of Acts, which has Paul's different journeys, only mentions his name occasionally and doesn't record all his movements. But it is presumed that Timothy traveled with Paul when he left for Lystra in Acts 16, and then until Paul's imprisonment at the end of his third missionary journey. The other thing we see in Paul's writing is that he would leave Timothy behind while he went ahead so that Timothy could accomplish more work in those communities that Paul left him at. And then also, sometimes he would send Timothy ahead to do things that he was not able to do himself, depending on the time or the mission. And we know that Timothy had most likely been set ahead of time, like to Corinth, and we see here that he was sent. He was intended to be sent to Philippi. After the work that he was assigned was complete, he would always rejoin Paul wherever Paul was at that moment. And Paul always links Timothy's name to the introduction of his letters, like in Corinth, or Colossians, or in Philippians. And this really indicates that Timothy had either been in these places with Paul, or he had been sent there to work at some point because it indicates he was already known by these churches when Paul was writing to them. Essentially, Timothy was Paul's disciple. Timothy dedicated himself to learning under Paul, and as a result, he grew deep in the faith and gave his time and energy to evangelism and teaching and became a trusted and an invaluable colleague to Paul. And we see that in Philippians 2.20 when Paul says, I have no one else like Timothy. I mean, what a statement. Paul is saying, there's no one else that I trust more than Timothy. 
So we can tell from the scripture that he was one of Paul's closest and most trusted co-workers. Now that we know who Timothy is or his background, let's look at the other person that Paul wants to send, Epaphroditus. Verse 25, he says, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrows upon sorrows. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in the service to me. My second point is who was Epaphroditus? Unlike Timothy, we don't know a lot about him. And a matter of fact, in the Bible, the only reference we have of him is in the passage that we're studying today. We know that he was a delegate sent by the church at Philippi, and that at some point this letter was written, he had been sent to Paul with a gift for him during his imprisonment. And we know that Paul held him in high esteem. He calls him his brother, his fellow worker, his fellow soldier, and said that, If he had died, it would have brought much sorrow to me. Sorrow upon sorrow is exactly how he says it. And we know that when he arrived in Rome, where Paul was being held as a prisoner, he devoted himself full time to the work of Jesus, both as attending to Paul and as an assistant to his missionary work. And we know that because of how hard he had worked for the gospel, he had become sick and he nearly died. And we know that he recovered. And Paul sent him back to Philippi to the Philippian church, most likely with this letter that he's written, that he may have functioned as a leader in the church at Philippi. And Paul refers to him as the church apostle. But this also could be that Paul was just referring to the fact that he had brought Paul a gift. He was a messenger from the church to bring him the good news. Beyond the things I just said, we really don't know much more about Ephroditus. Now, going back to our passage, let's look at those first few words. If the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit, and then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. And then he goes on to say, I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. And we see that Paul trusted him because in verse 19, he says, I'm going to send him so that I may be cheered by the news of you. But I think the most telling verse in this first section is in verse 22, where he says, but you know Timothy's proven worth. Again, this shows that they knew Timothy he had been there before, and how as a son with a father he has served me in the gospel. Paul describes Timothy as one with the same spirit that I have. No one else who I've poured into is more like me than Timothy. This mission was so important and so close to his heart, Timothy was being sent into this situation so he could handle it delicately. And not only does Paul know that he's the man for the job, but the Philippians himself know Timothy and they know he's solid and that he's trustworthy and that he was tested and approved by Paul himself. 
And because of all of this, Paul knows he's the guy. He wants to send him as soon as he can. He just needs to wait and see how his trial in Rome turns out. And that's how he wraps up. Well, we see in this passage, as he talks about Timothy, there are some things about Timothy that I want to point out. First, that he was a faithful servant. That means he was a learner. And what we can learn from Timothy is to serve faithfully. We need to live up to our part of the Great Commission in which we are the disciples, not just the part where we are the discipler. See, Timothy spent years shadowing Paul, learning everything that he knew, being taught both the words and by example that Paul lived out. He learned under Paul like a son learns from their father. And back in the first century, that's how things were taught. They didn't go to school like we do for the most part, unless you were very rich or you were royalty. You worked with your dad. You became an apprentice and you learned by watching and doing what they told you to do. You were mentored. And so Paul says that you have seen that he's like a son to me. He's learned just like he would learn from his father. So faithful servants learn diligently. And then we even look back at Jesus. For three years, his disciples followed him around, seeing and being taught as he did his miracles. They learned from his examples by shadowing Jesus throughout his ministry. This was the cultural way of Judaism. It was to follow a teacher, a rabbi. And so today, one of the things we should do and we should learn from Timothy is that we should find a godly mentor in our life, someone who has more life experience, who has gone deeper into Scripture than we have, who can give us godly wisdom. Matter of fact, Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. We should always be looking for opportunities that will allow us to learn and grow in our faith so that we can be better servants for Jesus. The other thing we can learn from Timothy is that Timothy was a faithful service and he loved selflessly. Timothy wasn't chosen to go to Philippi just because he was a good student, even though he was. He was not sent to minister to the church just because he had been there before. He was chosen by Paul because he genuinely cared about their well-being, and Paul says that. At that time, just like it is today, you can find people that will just beat on the Bible, thump people over the head, and tell them how messed up as a sinner they are. There's nothing really special about that other than God can use that message to turn some people. You can find just about anybody to go somewhere and just dump a message and then leave. But it would have been harder to find somebody that would go and love on people and mentor those people, teach them, and show them the right way. Someone who is honest and genuine and wants the best for the people. And that's what Timothy was. Because Timothy loved them and he loved Jesus. And he really, truly cared what happened to the Philippians. As I think about this, I think about 1 Corinthians 13. And it's read a lot in marriage ceremonies. It's really, though, where Paul is writing to the church at Corinth about love and about how we're to love one another. And he says that love is patient. Love is kind. He says 
at the very beginning, if I could speak the language of all languages on earth and of angels, but I don't love others, then I'm just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secrets and his plans and possessed all knowledge, and I have faith that can move a mountain, but I don't love others, then I'm nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but I didn't love. I did it for my own gain. I would have gained nothing is what Paul is saying. He's saying love is patient and it's kind. Love's not jealous. It's not boastful. It's not proud. It's not rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of wrongdoing. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. And if we do not serve with love, then we might as well just not serve at all. And Timothy shows us that we need to love others selflessly like he did. And Paul says, I'm sending him because he cares deeply for you and you know him and you trust him because of that. Are you a Timothy? Do you love others? See, this 1 Corinthians 13, like I said, is really written to the church about unity. It's really not written around marriage, even though we use it there a lot. So are you a Timothy? Do you show those traits of love towards others? And then I look at our other example, Epaphrodites. And he was an incredible example of serving Jesus with passion. Paul describes him as a true brother, a co-worker, a fellow soldier. And he was your messenger to help me in my need. And I'm sending him because he has been longing back to see you. He was very distressed that you heard he was ill. He certainly was ill. As a matter of fact, he almost died is what Paul says. But God had mercy on him and also on me that I would not have one sorrow after another. Even though we know very little about this guy, other than what's in this one section, we see very positive comments. Paul speaks in glowing terms about him and his contributions that he's made to the ministry. It seems that he was sent to Paul that was their intention from the church at Philippi for him to stay with Paul as a companion and an assistant till as long as he needed to be. However, these plans went kind of sideways after he became sick. He had been working so hard and helping Paul that he had fallen ill. He almost died from this illness. And Paul says, if he had died, I would have lost a valuable friend, one who he saw as a brother, a worthy fellow laborer, someone that, again, was a learner, someone that was selfless, and someone that was faithful. But Paul doesn't stop there. He also says that the church at Philippi would have also lost a valuable member and a leader. And then Paul finishes up saying that now he wants to come back home because he's recovered and he knows that you're anxious and you've heard of his sickness and you're worried about him. And so the best decision is that I send him home and I'm going to send him most likely with this letter. And Paul wraps up telling them how they should greet him when he does return. You're supposed to meet him with joy and love. There should be no suspicion or criticism against him. Paul is really saying, I'm responsible. I, I made the decision that he returned, not him. You know, as I've served on a church staff before, I've seen people that we've kind of had to coerce into doing things for the church. 
And sadly, it feels that there's too many times we have to do that. People just drag their heels. They do things grumbling and uh, complaining, but they agree to do it only for a little while anyhow. But what we see here is that Epaphroditus worked himself almost to the point of death. Now, I'm not saying we should work ourselves to the point of death. I do think if we've learned anything from COVID is that we have to take care of ourselves. We have to get plenty of rest. We have to eat right. But we also have to give our time willingly. We have to be selfless. We have to be faithful. And that's what we see is that Epaphroditus was faithful. He understood what needed to be done, was willing to do it no matter what the cost. Now, I'm, I'm busy. I work multiple jobs. I even do this when I have time to do the research and pull it in. Some lessons seem to have more content than others just because I have more time in that particular week. But what I see is sometimes it feels like serving the church or serving God is the last priority. But this third trait I want you to see is that faithful service to Jesus means not just showing up, not just doing something out of guilt or duty, but serving passionately. Listen to from Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for unto the Lord, not as human masters. So you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Jesus Christ you are serving. See, faithful service doesn't just mean volunteering begrudgingly. It doesn't mean that we just do something out of duty, but it means serving with passion. With all your heart, we are not to be sponges that just sit on a bench, but we're to get out there and be mentors and and we are to make disciples. That was the Great Commission. As I wrap up, we need to talk about role models that are important in our lives. Role models play a critical decision-making tool in our life. And if we don't have the right one, we can find ourselves out in the water without a rudder. Role models come in. They're influential people. They help us find our way through life. They give us ideas on how to get through difficulties. And we draw courage from them and hope based on their ideas. Long before he became a member of the Beatles, John Lennon idolized many of the old rhythm and blues greats like Chuck Berry and Muddy Waters. He apparently had their pictures on his wall and used them as inspiration when he first began playing the guitar. Woody Allen admitted that he used to watch the Marx Brothers hundreds of times and dreamed of being as funny and talented as they were. It's no secret that Groucho Marx had a major influence on Woody Allen. Maybe you have somebody in mind that was a role model for you, someone that has greatly inspired you and helped shape you in some way of the person you are today. As a parent of three, I can tell you I know the importance of being a good role model to my children. Now, I've not always got it right. But I know that providing the right role, children learn from their parents. You've heard the phrase, children learn what they live. Some experts in the field say that 90 to 90% of all human behavior is learned through modeling. It's about what they do rather than what we say to them. And if you believe that statistic, then it's scary knowing that children are watching and most likely copying every move that their role model is giving them whether it's good or bad. So role models are important. Would anybody argue with me today that the best role model that we could have is Jesus Christ? 
having him as the compass and the guide of all our decisions will keep us out of trouble. The bad thing is there are a lot of people that think Jesus as a smug, radical person who could never smile or enjoy a good time or just stand in the background and rebukes people. That's not Jesus. That's not my Jesus. Just take the time to read the Gospel of John, and you'll see that Jesus was a real person who socialized and mixed with people. He was part of a wedding feast in Cana. He attended the temple. He was part of a feast in Jerusalem. And yet his mind was based on spiritual matters at the same time. He used every opportunity to point others to eternal life, to eternal decisions, not just temporary ones. He was very compassionate. He reached out and he helped many. He sacrificially gave all the way to the cross. Jesus healed the sick. Jesus healed the blind. Jesus cast out demons. He transformed the lives of others. He put others before him. He was the ultimate role model for you and for me. If you want to give your child and yourself the ultimate role model, then you need to follow Jesus. He's the ultimate guide in our life. If we'll just let him in, and then we'll follow him and follow what he teaches. Jesus is the best role model to turn to because he knows all about us. Even the Bible says he knows the number of the hairs on our head. And he also knows the future and where we are headed, and he can guide us if we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. So today, one, will you allow Jesus to be your role model? Will you get in his word and follow him? And two, will you be like Timothy and Aphrodite and be a role model to others, disciple others, mentor others? Let us pray. Dearly Father, we come before you today, Lord. We thank you for our time together. Lord, we thank you for this lesson. Lord, I thank you for role models. Lord, I thank you for inspiring the different writers of the Bible to pen what you had them write. Lord, it is a way for us to be a long life learner, to be more like you, to chase after you, to walk in that sanctification process that we talked about last week. And Lord, you teach us in the Great Commission that we are to go and make disciples. Lord, I pray right now that you would inspire, you lay on our hearts that one, that we would be teachable, and two, that we would be faithful to follow after you and disciple others. Lord, maybe there's one listening today that's not done that. Maybe it's all about me, 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 and they sit on the pew, and they may have really said a prayer and meant what they said, but they've never taken their walk any further. And Lord, I pray today that they will hear your knocking on their heart, how you want more for their life, and that, Lord, they will open it up to you. Lord, that they will take the next step. They'll start trying to grow more and more like you every day. Lord, maybe there's one that doesn't know you at all. Lord, I pray today that today would be the day. Lord, that they would say a prayer and mean it, that they understand that they are lost. They are going to spend eternity without you. But Lord, that they understand that. And so therefore they say, I need you. I need you as my savior. I need your finished work on the cross to save me and believe on that finished work. And Lord, I admit I'm a sinner. Lord, I believe on your finished work, and Lord, I commit to be a follower of you. Lord, I confess and commit. Lord, I pray today that they would just do that. And Lord, we thank you for all the blessings you give this ministry. Lord, I pray for everyone that hears my voice today that they would just have a blessed week and that they will walk a little closer with you as we go through this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.